Thank you for downloading this episode. Before we start, I wanted to let you know that our interviews with leaders of TTOs and University Venture Funds are now on their own feed, with new episodes every Friday. Interviews with people like Matt Perkins from Oxford University Innovation, Sarah Valin from Chalmers Ventures, or Kirsten Leuter from Osage University Partners. Just search for Talking Tech Transfer in your podcast app or go to globaluniversityventuring.com to subscribe. Welcome to the Global Venturing Review Leadership Series, where we talk to thought leaders from the university and corporate venturing worlds to find out more about how they are changing the world. In today's episode, I, Thierry Hillis, the editor of GUV, talk to Tony Armstrong, President and Chief Executive of IU Ventures at Indiana University. Off we go. Tony Armstrong, thank you very much for joining us on the Leadership Series podcast today. Thanks for having me. To kick things off, maybe you can give us a brief overview of what IU Ventures is, what it does. Yeah, we're a, we're a, an affiliate of Indiana University, so that we're a separate not-for-profit, a 501c3. And really, primarily, what we try to do is work with faculty, with our students, with staff members here, and more and more these days with our alumni around the world to really try to help accelerate their innovations, to try to help them wherever they are in that process of trying to accelerate that, if that's helping them find funding, helping provide funding, helping with networking, with talent, with beta testing for some of those. So it's really trying to build and utilize our network of IU intellectual firepower, you might say, and really try to help move these technologies into the marketplace and really build a network then of alums and and different folks that we can then help and work with. Again, like I said, across the world, we've got some things that we're working on primarily right now in Southeast Asia that I, I can talk about. But really, it's a it's a way, it's a separate entity the university's created just to try to help accelerate innovation. Amazing. Just to turn back the clock a little bit, a few years, you used to also handle tech transfer for IU. You decided to set up a new office for that, IU Innovation and Commercialization Office in 2017. Can you tell me a little bit about what the rationale was behind that decision? Yeah, I think um, so when the, when our group was created back in 1997, we really did a number of different things. And the primary function had been the tech transfer, the traditional licensing and protection of intellectual property. And we did that, like you said, it was 2017. So for about 20 years, we've had some changes internally at the university. And I think the, the thought was that if we took the tech transfer piece and moved that back into our vice president for research's office, it would really free up our group, now IU Ventures, to really focus and more outward. So with tech transfer, as many people that are a part of it know, it's such an, in some ways, inwardly focused endeavor. And I have to say, I, most of my time at the university, I've been a part of that. And I sort of found that, you know, the, you, you kind of think once you get a deal done with a, a licensing deal, you're done. But you, now that I'm not doing it, I find that <laughs> I was spending a lot of times on deals that were five years old or 10 years old, or, you know, we were in a fight about this or we were trying to do that. And so. It really is, I think, kind of an inward-focused endeavor, but it made sense, too, to get it back in with our sponsored research and corporate relations to really have that as sort of a one-stop shop, that that's all together. And it then freed us up to really then face outward. And really, and one of the things that I mentioned, our, our alumni focus and really trying to get folks re-engaged with the university 
And uh, not just financially, but really their Rolodexes and their expertise and their networks around the world that we can that we can draw on. So it's really freed us up to to reach out from the university and try to do more. One of the first initiatives that you did there to bring alumni back in was the Philanthropic Venture Fund. I think it's at 11 million at the moment, but it has a 50 million target. Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah. On our way, we hope. Um, what, what was that specifically, <laughs> the engagement with, with alumni what you wanted there? Was it getting more money for startups, both? Both in a way. I think it really was, but I think you have it in the right order. I really think, and, and as I've been on this, I sometimes say nonlinear career path where <laughs> I've done a number of different things. I, I have found in interacting with our alums that they are interested in giving back in a different way. And I think sometimes the development offers, we talk about time, talent, and treasure. And sometimes we have those in the other way. We have it as maybe the treasure piece and then the others. And really what we've decided is to think about their networks and their expertise and their ability really to, to mentor. It's, a, it's interesting, before the uh, pandemic, we had been out my colleague, Jason Whitney, and I, we've created what we call these nodes in different cities around the country, Boston, Boulder, Denver, I, I say California. I mean, we're sort of up and down the coast there. We, we were on our way to Seattle and actually Dallas and Austin, Texas. And we've created not giant groups of you know the, the hundreds of alums we have in those places, but really what we call IU founders and funders. So really, IU alums we have in those cities that are either in venture or private equity or seed investing. And then our alums that are that are either starting companies or they're in the C-suite in some way. And we really try to bring them together. And um, it's interesting, the nodes were, were starting to interact without us. So the, the Boston group was interacting with the LA group. And we were really starting to get this amazing connection. But um, what was happening too is any alum who was kind of plugged into that, we had a, a two I can think of in Boston who are younger alums. I think everybody's younger than me these days, but younger by, you know, around, <laughs> around 30 ish or so that have successful companies that have raised a fair amount of venture capital that really they truly want to give back and work with students. They also see the value of this and they want to plug in and, and sort of in some ways I say work their way up the chain and find alums that have been successful, that have exited or in those spaces. And so they really see a way to plug in and give back at the same time they learn. So it's a little bit different model that it's a, I sometimes say in a way, a, a win-win, that you're able to give back and be a part, but also reap some benefit from that. And as we've done that, we've started to see then that I think people are are interested in supporting us financially. So it's a little bit of a, a dual thing, but you're right. I think the philanthropic fund, we'd had a fund before that we called the Innovate Indiana Fund that really the majority of that money came from an exit we had, a company that had been started uh, prior to my joining that was sold. Um, it was one of the first learning management systems. It was called Angel Learning and it was uh, purchased by Blackboard. And the, the the team had done an amazing job of bootstrapping that. And so the company was sold for $100 million. The university still had 25% of the company. Wow. So as I say, sometimes it was a good time to come back and be president of the IURTC. <laughs> I got to go around and talk about this story. I'd been there three months and this happens. And so I think maybe I set the bar a little high. <laughs> but we took some of that money and actually started the uh, Innovate Indiana Fund. And really that one, this was back in, um, gosh, 
oh nine and ten around there. And really there our idea was really, especially we have the 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 only medical school in the state of Indiana. So it turns out it's one of the largest, I think it's the largest medical school in the country. But but really working with faculty there and that, I mean, talk about the valley of death. I mean, it's one thing with IT companies and SaaS companies, right? But on the life sciences side, it's such a challenge to, to, to go, as our faculty say, from the bench to the bedside. So that early stage is so challenging. And so we really just thought we would raise, we would use some of this money from the angel learning exit and and try to help at least move these these um, life sciences ideas down the road far enough that we could get federal funding or grant funding or get them ready for even licensing, just a little more data. And we, we were pretty successful with that, but we started getting inquiries from alums and we started to broaden our net for the Innovate Indiana Fund. And we found really in Chicago and, and closer places that we started to do some deals And this all started to happen. And then as we started to get towards the end of that initial $10 million, we started thinking, A, we need, we need more funding, but B, why don't we open this up and give our alums a chance to contribute and, you know, reap the tax benefit, but also maybe more deeply engage them. And that, and that's been the case. So a lot of this, sometimes it's funny. I think of it as a startup. But we've been at this for now 12 or 15 years, so <laughs> it's not much of a startup anymore. But we're learning along the way of what our kind of our customers are looking for. Yeah. You've um, you've mentioned nodes there. Was that the basis for your are you angel network as well that you launched earlier this year? I think it was. Yeah, that's a good. So as we've been out meeting with our alums and asking about the fund. Many of them are, are, it's funny, they're interested in supporting the university however they can, but they're also entrepreneurs and money, right? Yeah. So they're saying, wow, these are great deals. We'd love to be a part of these as well. And so we, we interacted a little bit with the folks in North Carolina, Duke, uh, UNC and North Carolina State, each have sort of their own um, unique angel funds. And then they work really well together down there in sort of a, a, a um, the triangle of working together on, on deals. So, um, you know, Notre Dame has a fund, Purdue has a fund, we have a fund. So we're talking to those guys all the time, but it really did kind of lead to this idea of giving our alums a chance to, um, invest in the companies. And really what we found, and again, this is one of those, I wish I were smart enough to have seen this. I'll, I'll, uh, uh, but, but really, I mean, really there's no better way, right? To have somebody be excited about and, and deeply engaged in these companies when you have even a modest for some amount of money invested in it. They've really been great mentors. And, um, and, and so we've probably with the angel network, we've just now, I think we're about to complete our sixth investment. I was just talking, Jason Whitney helps to run this. We just really kicked it off. It's funny. We, we kicked it off in the, toward the end of February of Good this year. <laughs> we did sort of a live. It was, it was the only time we had a chance to get everybody together and do a live event. And then the rest of them have been virtual. And we really were worried that that was going to change the dynamic. But, um, it, we've done, I think six deals. Every one of them's raised between one and $200,000. We've got one big one that we, we've got a different set of folks together that could raise a bunch, but it's really been a great group to come together. And now we do. We've done two or three um, social hours in some ways, so not a deal, but really just to get the angels together and have a guest speaker or have people just share what they're doing, really to build this network. But it was, and so the deals have been all the way from, I'm trying to think, 
I think we have two, one in LA, one in San Francisco, Chicago. It's not just, we've got one in Bloomington, but they're all over the country as well. Our, Our angels are all over. So now we use Zoom to do the meetings. And then we also even include some deals. So once a month we pitch live, we record it, but then we also load other deals that we think are, um, the angels will be interested in. We just load those so people can look at those as well. So we've really tried to be this source of deal flow, but, but really in some ways too, just awareness of what, what the university is doing or what other alums are doing. And I think people really enjoy, especially folks that have been away from Indiana for some for decades, and they just aren't aware of, of what's happening here and what they're doing. And they really, it's another way to give back. They, if they help another alum, that really helps the university in a way. And, and then they have a chance, hopefully, to make some, some money as well. They're, they've been investors all their lives. And I think this is just another way for them to do it and, and do it together with a number of other alums. That sounds fantastic. If I had the money, that's at least something that I would want to pursue. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It's interesting, as you mentioned that. So in the US, we now have these accredited investor rules set up by the SEC. And actually just, I think it was last week, they um, made it a little easier. So we're we're hoping to be able to broaden the net and let a number of other folks be a part of the network that wouldn't have been able to before. But you're right, we do hear that a lot, that there's only a certain set of folks that can meet in the past this accredited investor standard. But I think these new rules will give us a chance to, to include younger alums and people that want to learn how to do it, but, but, but we couldn't before. So there's an educational piece as well as an institution of higher learning. We're trying to always help people kind of get what's happening and uh, um, learn new things, not only about us, but, but how this investing works. Amazing. Going back to the source, maybe a little bit. You've also set up the uh, the quarry together with Correct. the uh, ICO. I think. Can you tell me a little bit more? Yes. more about that program. Yeah, that that is an evol- evolution as well. It's interesting. So a few years ago, we started a program. At the beginning, we called it the spin up program, and it was really a chance, as I mentioned, going back to this life sciences investing. A number we we probably hadn't done even as a state, but certainly our institution of taking advantage of federal funding. We have the Small Business Innovation Research Program, and there's a STTR, Small Business Tech Transfer Program, but it's really peer-reviewed. It's really kind of in our wheelhouse, but it's grant funding to help. And the NIH has a, a big budget for that. And so SpinUp started as a way really for us, hopefully to, to put some of these, what we sort of minimally viable entities together to make application for this SBIR, STTR money. And the idea being that we'd have a faculty member as sort of a lead, and then we would have the PhD students could actually maybe be a part of the company and, and find a way to really find their way to entrepreneurship. So we, we worked that program for a while and we, and we had some success. And then it sort of morphed into the quarry, which, which then linked with the angel network and the other funds is really this almost this continuum of now, even from the point where we either recruit a faculty member or have a graduate student that's interested, we have now a, almost a complete process from the inception, the idea of, of a company or, a, or an innovation. So the quarry helps to really think about that. It really even fundamentally, should this be a company or should this be a licensing opportunity? And let's go through that. So it's sort of a decision tree. And then if you're going down the company path, you really need to do this. You need talent. We need these kind of people to be a part of it. 
So it really is a process of helping the ICO and us and the faculty member evaluate this opportunity and figure out what's the best path for it. And so that's one that it's really a partnership. It is with with our, our friends at Tech Transfer, with our group. And then we use these outside experts that we're cultivating, other capital providers or alums we have in this space. And it really is great feedback. We learn a lot, but the faculty members really benefit by getting these outside perspectives of what's happening. And it's not just us sharing. It's really this collective and it, it helps them maybe go in a different direction in what they're doing, find talent, find other down the road, the uh, financial piece. But it really now is this collaborative. So it's brought, brought us closer together. And we've used it not just in life sciences, but more on the IT side too these days with work we're doing. I'm here in Bloomington. Our, our Indianapolis campus is really where the majority of the uh, research is done for the med school. But with here, with, with artificial intelligence, machine learning, some of those kinds of things, we've started to be able to use this process to, to find CEO talent to pair with our faculty to really make it's a, it's a, a pretty powerful co- combination when we're able to do that. that sounds amazing. You've, you've certainly been busy um, in the last few years. Um, <laughs> yes, it's all been from my my room here in a way. I haven't been that much, but we've been uh, we've been covering a lot of ground. Do you? I think you, meant, you briefly mentioned um, doing something in Southeast Asia. Is, is there are there more programs yes. that you are working on? Are you trying to focus on those three at the moment? What's the plan? Those are so. This is an offshoot. That's a good point. This is an offshoot in a way of the Angel Network. So Jason, who I mentioned got connected with, we have, the university has created gateway centers really around the world. I think we have seven now, Mexico City, Malaysia, Germany, Beijing. So all around where we have a physical space, India is one that we have. And in some of those, we actually have a staff member who helps the, the university get be connected in those parts of the of the world. But also then again, is a, is a place for our alums in those countries. I, I should get, to, I think we're the third largest living alumni base for U.S. universities. It's almost, it's over 770,000 alums around the world. And so uh, obviously many of them are overseas. And so we were working with an angel group in India just to try to figure out if we could share ideas and if they had ideas. And it led to our um, gateway center that sort of serves Southeast Asia so we've started to get these kind of inbound requests. And so on October 1st, we're going to host our first sort of virtual Southeast Asia pitch competition. So we've gotten a bunch of ideas, our alums that are starting companies all over Southeast Asia. We're going to do sort of a, not not a prize kind of thing, but just really a, a chance for them to pitch these ideas. And then we have a number of alums and a number of folks that are are joining and then a set of judges, and we'll just give feedback and hopefully have a chance for some of the companies to f- find supporters and find interaction. But it really, again, was the, the result of these interactions we've started to have with some of the resources the university has in different parts of the world and really now gathering our alums there, too. So in the beginning, it was just Jason and I could get on a, on a plane <laughs> and go to Boulder, Denver, or go to California, or go to Boston. And now I think that for us... In some ways, it's a silver lining of this pandemic in a way that, that we've gotten so adept. We're here together at, on Zoom doing this. And so we've had a number of these meetings. And so 
this might have been seemed more daunting, you know, back in February of, gosh, how could you put a, a, a virtual pitch competition yeah. together for Southeast? But it's happened almost seamlessly. It's been amazing the, the resources we have as a university and the, um, the ease that we can do it. And I think the desire of people to do this now, it's just this becomes a way, another way to do business. And so it really has opened up these other parts of the world that we can be a part of. So this will be the first one. But once we get this model sort of perfected, this will be easy for us to then replicate at every one of our gateway centers around the world and really try to, again, have a chance for our alums to reconnect and and be a part of this broader. It's almost going to encircle the globe, right? It'll be, it's not much broader. It'll be all the way around the world that we'll have folks connected. Amazing. Um, you've, you've mentioned Zoom calls there. Other than spending too many hours on Zoom, <laughs> how has the pandemic affected you, your work? It, it's, it really has changed. It's funny what we do, what, as you know, and from, I mean, it really is, it's a contact sport. I call it sometimes. I mean, it really is being out and not just here in the state. I mean, for us, we really had been on the road. I was in, we happened, Jason and I were in San Francisco the day the mayor declared an emergency for COVID. We were there for the uh, cyber, well, the cyber, that the big cyber conference was there, but we were meeting with alums and had a bunch of meetings. We'd been in Palo Alto to meet with folks down at Stanford and other alums. We had, then we were um, in Miami and Naples meeting with alums in Florida, I think just the week before that. And then I was in DC for meetings right at the beginning of March. So, and we had been planning, I mentioned we, in the next week or two after that, we were going to Texas to Dallas and Austin. And it really is, I bet we've been to Boulder, Denver four or five times, the coast. At one of the meetings we were at, one of the guys said, it was so good for us to come because it, he only saw some of these people when we came because we we do a lunch or we'll do a not big events but just sort of gather ten or twenty people and it really does it brings people together yeah, and it's a different yeah. interaction so that has has ceased we haven't and I don't see us doing that in the in the near future so we've we've gone to many of these Zoom calls and outreach which is it's good but it's just not. It's, it's not the same. It's never going to be the same of, of being able to sit with somebody and really feel what they're, what they're doing and share things and all that. So, um, we're anxious to get back on the road. So we're hopeful for a vaccine or whatever it takes for us all to feel comfortable getting out again. <laughs> awesome. As kind of, we're moving kind of towards the end, but maybe as a, okay. as a, as a final question, mm-hmm. you, I think you were at Indiana for a little bit at the end of the nineties. Then you went, worked for, um, the government for a while. Came back to Indiana. What what prompted the decision to to come back to to IU? Yeah, it's interesting. That's a good question. Sometimes I think I've said this to you. I describe myself as I use bad penny sometimes, and you can't say I've got sort of. I used to have red hair. It's not anymore. But I was a student and left, and I came back to law school and left, and I came back to work and left, and I came back. I just it, it really it's I I really love IU. I, I you know went here. My sisters went here. I mean, it's really this in, amazing institution. But it's this amazing platform that that we're able to do. I did mention one. I just got an email with Jason this morning. We're thinking about a sports-focused kind of effort. We have in Indiana, we didn't have any tech stars. Now we have two in Indianapolis. One of them is focused solely on sports. Okay. And it's just so it's like an hour up the road. We at the at IU have a ton of sports things going on. Our alumni base in sports is amazing. And our Kelly School of Business just yesterday announced kind of a sports-focused institute for undergrads. 
So we're putting together sort of a subset of our angel network of folks that are in sports to look at sports broadly. So, I mean, performance analytics, apparel, marketing and media, all those kinds of things. And so, but where else could you do that other than an institution like Indiana, where you've got all these different really neat kind of things to do. And these people that love the institution and want to give back. And so I get to be a part of, to be in that mix and help people. And so it's really, it's exciting and it's fun. And I get to meet a lot of amazing people that I wouldn't otherwise, they probably wouldn't take my call if I just called them out of the blue and said I wanted to talk. But when I'm, you know, we're calling on behalf of IU and we really want to get them back in the, in the mix and helping their, everybody's willing to do it. So it was really, it was sort of that. And it's just evolved into what we do now. So it's, and, and the institution gives us the freedom to do that. And I think they're very encouraging for us. So it really is an amazing platform. I just, I hope I don't crash and burn a record or something that they let me keep doing it. So <laughs> they've, they've let you be in charge for over a decade now. So I, I, I assume they're happy with your work. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't taken this over the cliff yet. So we'll see. <laughs> amazing. I had one more that was basically just anything else that we, we haven't covered that um, you wanted to talk about. It really, I think the newest one I was going to try to mention at the end is this idea around sports. And really, now that we've gotten this broad network together, I think we can sort of now focus in. So the next one for us will probably be we've got a lot on the, on the in the defense area in some ways, but where we take the AI work and the machine learning work and all these kind of things we've been doing and try to dual use those. So if we can, we have a, um, a, naval research station just south of Bloomington. It, it, it's kind of odd to have a naval base just yeah. south, but it, there's a long history. It was basically in World War II. It was <clears throat> inland enough. It started as just a place to store a lot of bombs and things. <laughs> so they, it, and it's evolved into this amazing electronic warfare and, and cybersecurity and all kinds of research is done down there. And so we're working more closely with them so a lot of the, we're able to do research with them on what we do, but they're also doing research that we can try to dual use and put together. And it's amazing when you think about then sports and a soldier or sailor or airman or something, the, the, the physical piece of that where there's overlap or cybersecurity or AI. So that's probably the next one for us. So it's really now the, the ability to kind of drill down in these, in these specific areas and start to focus there and then bring people together which hopefully brings more funding and different kinds of things. So we sort of turned Southern Indiana into this launching pad for things that go around the world. Wow, that sounds amazing. Or bring the world to Southern Indiana. <laughs> Maybe that's the other way. <laughs> I have never been, but I would certainly like to um, actually see Indiana one day. So yeah, it sounds like- We will get you over here. And, and this time of year, this, the leaves are starting to turn. It's just starting to turn to fall. So uh, maybe next year when we get yeah. things uh, more settled, we can uh, <laughs> do the yes, knock on wood. The next one from here. Yeah, fingers crossed. Amazing. <laughs> Tony, thank you very much for, uh, for taking the time to join us today to talk about IU Ventures. I appreciate it. Thanks for Terry. And thanks for all the things you guys do and keeping us all connected and together and sharing all the different things that we're up to you, James. I mean, it's been terrific and we much appreciate you giving us a chance to share what we're doing. Awesome. It's our pleasure. Thank you, Tony. <laughs> Global Venturing Review was produced by In-Ear Production. You can find out more by going to inearproduction.com.